with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Here is the message translation. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. You Philippians well know, and you can be sure I'll never forget it, that when I first left Macedonia province, venturing out with the message, not one church helped me out in the give and take of this world except you. You were the only one. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you helped out, and not only once, but twice. Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, uh, this morning for gathering us together. Thank you for this body, God. Uh, Thank you for what you're doing in the midst of us, Lord. And and, uh, even as uh, this month is Adoption Awareness Month, Adoption and Fostering Awareness Month, God, Lord, we remember the families and people that have gone before us, God, that, that, um, that did the work of the ministry, God, that opened up their homes, practiced hospitality, God, and took care of these little ones, Lord, such vulnerable, Lord God, uh, such neglected uh, in this uh, city of ours, Lord. And we thank you, God. And we remember, God, uh, during this month, uh, all these kids and all these babies, God, and we pray for them, Lord. So would you help them? Lord, have mercy on them. Have mercy on us, God. God, we thank you. Lord, and now we just come humbly to your word, Lord, and we ask you to speak to us through it, God. To that end, we ask you right now to release the revelatory ministry of the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, again, give us an ear to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit is saying to each one of us, individually and corporately as body. Lord, I humble myself today. I ask that you use me to preach your prophetic word with power and authority. Help me, Lord, not just convey your words, God, but convey your heart. God, we thank you, Lord. We love you in this house, God. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. And so um, uh, we're, we've already started kind of the wrap-up uh, by which Paul is finishing uh, this very important letter uh, to the church in Philippi. And remember, chapter 4, predominantly, well, to be honest, the whole of the book of Philippians, uh, the, the main message is joy. So turn to your neighbor, say, hey, good looking, say joy, right? Or the better term, rejoice. You know, have joy in our hearts. And so, you know, going back, it's important because remember, Paul is in prison Either he's in an institutionalized prison or he's in house arrest. Regardless, a very difficult situation. He is uh, in, in chains. He is not well. And the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus and offers this gift of, of not only Epaphroditus' help, but also uh, the funds that will help him uh, in, in basically living. One thing about, and, and most scholars believe that he was under house arrest, one thing about house arrest is during this time, you had to cover all your own needs. At least if you're in prison, the state feeds you. In house arrest, you have to feed yourself. And so th- thus you see the need uh, for the church in Philippi to come alongside and to help in this situation. But Paul says, even though he's in prison, even though he's not well, the message is Joy, joy, rejoice in this place. And so previously, uh, Pastor Sam Navarro talked about his uh, little chat, his little teaching on contentment and what that is, and, and followed up with a great, great statement. Many of us that, that you know, were part of our early dragon boats, uh, 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 you know, festivals, our teams, remember this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's such a powerful verse. So Paul is, is, is uh, uh, dovetailing off of that passage <clears throat> out of contentment, but he doesn't, he doesn't want the church uh, in Philippi to think that he's not appreciative uh, of what he's done. It could it sound like, man, I'm content. You know, I'm, I'm fine with anything. It could almost sound like I, I didn't really need you guys, but that's not what Paul's saying. And so Paul is kind of taking that thought, and then he's adding his own thoughts in relation to that. And even though, like I said, uh, it, the, the last thought was focused on his ability to be content. Um, remember, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. 
But Paul is also very grateful to the Philippian church for their generosity towards him. And the ministry uh, that not only, not only here uh, while he's in prison, but also even before that, particularly when he was in Thessalonica and so on and so forth, that he was able to travel and to spread the gospel, to spread the message. He was sent in that way. In this way, he was sent uh, by the Philippians. And his, his message on learning to be content could seem as if he did not really appreciate the gift, but he did. But this is the key, and this is part of a very, very important teaching. He does this, and he shares this, not so much for his own benefit, but he recognizes that in the giving, the one who really receives the benefit is the giver. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit really sink really deep down inside this, this real, real simple truth. Because in, in, in the world, when you give something, you're losing something. If, if, I, if I have, uh, and uh, I, I've actually been doing this a lot these days, um, uh, ever since I joined uh, the Board of Trustees of, of FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, They've been constantly supplying me with FCA swag. And so uh, I've, I got like all kinds of, in fact, what I'm wearing today, this is a FCA sweatshirt. Uh, underneath it, there's another FCA shirt. I'm basically a walking billboard for FCA now, right? Because they give me so much stuff, which is, you know, cool. You know, I receive. Um, and so part of my job is to share the wealth in a certain way. And so if I give, if I give P-Nate a shirt, right, that I'm down a shirt, right, I lose something, but he gains something. And so in the world, we, that's kind of the way it works. If I give something, I lose something, and someone else gains something, but when we're talking about in Christ, or in this idea of biblical giving, right, I'll say it this way, giving isn't about losing something, it's about gaining something. That's Paul's central message here. To the people, and, and I, I want to reorient your whole thinking around this, this subject of giving or generosity, you know, or tithing or whatever you want to call it in this way. In verse 17, Paul says it this way. He says, not that I seek the gift itself. In other words, that's not the most important thing to me. And, and Paul, being the founder of this church, he's letting them know it's, it's not really about the gift. It's not about that, that, you, can, that you can do this, that, that God has blessed you to do this. That's part of it. But really what it is, I seek for the profit which increases to your account. So something is, something is, is think about in the word, something is taken out of your account but Paul says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what happens in the Spirit. Something now is added to your account. Now, it's interesting to think that we have an account in heaven. Right? And Paul says it, right? And so there's, there's, there's something. I don't want to get into all this because I'm, I'm just speculating now. But, but there's something about this. There's, there's, there's some kind of ledger you know, that, that's there. And, and, it, and it very clearly shares, you know, what's kind of going on in our lives in this way. And, and listen to Paul's heart. He says, not that I seek to give this up, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Remember, in the world, right, giving is about losing something. But in Christ, it's about gaining something. In fact, the more you give, the more you get. Right? This is, this is a, a, a Christ-centered thing. The more you give, the more you get. Now, statements like that can be very, very dangerous. It can. It can be very dangerous. It could turn giving, the, the, you know, sacrificial giving, this, this simple reality and understanding, and it, and it could be something of kind of like a meritocracy or something that takes place in this way, and really, if, if I really want to lay it out, this is really the folly, and, and I, I could even say the sin of the prosperity movement. Some of you guys uh, may know this, some of you may not know this, so let me explain. 
There is a Christian movement, or there is a movement among Christians, and they call it the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel, you may hear, hear of it different ways. Some call it like name it and claim it. You know, and the basic idea is that, that if you give to God or if you give to someone's ministry, right? If you give to their ministry and sometimes if you buy this water, you know, or you buy this oil or you buy this book, you know, I mean, we, we see all these things and, and they're quite prominent on, on Christian television. And, if you, and if, you, if you give, if you do this, then, man, God's going to bless you, right? It's the giving is the seed, and then from that seed is going to you know, sprout 30, 60, 100-fold idea. Now, biblically, that's true. Like, like, that, like, I mean, that's from the scriptures, and we can understand that, but the motivation is very, very different in this way. And so uh, the prosperity gospel, the, the whole idea is, is, is in that way, the goal is to receive. I give so that I can get in that way. And I want to tell you that that is an error in, in many ways. And that, that, that actually goes all the way back uh, into an idea in Judaism that, that really brought a, a, a lot of... of uh, discord amongst the followers of Jesus and the followers of Judaism in this way. And I'll, I'll explain this way. There's an Old Testament error, and basically the error said this, wealth and health was a sign of God's blessing. If you were wealthy and if you were healthy, then that was a sign that you were approved and loved and cared for by God. Yes, and no, you, you, you see the rub that's happening here. I'll, gi- I'll give you an idea. In the New Testament, uh, this, this, this passage goes straight into this running. In John chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, the disciples came. I'll just read this. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents but it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. And see, the, the, the old idea was, if you are healthy, you are blessed by God, which is true in a certain way. But the flip side of that, other part was, if you are not healthy, you are cursed by God. We know that's not true. If you are wealthy, you are blessed by God. Yeah, it could be true. But the flip side is not true. In other words, if you're, not, if you're poor, then you're cursed by God. That was the idea. That's why it's, it's, it, it didn't work. And so all they saw, they saw wealthy people. They saw the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees. They, they saw these people, and they just assumed because they had this wealth, they had this prominence, that they were approved by God, that these that truly, truly are God's people. And so particularly you can see when Jesus starts teaching and he starts criticizing that group of people, uh, people got in an uproar and thus led to asking these type of questions. The simple idea was, this man is blind, there must be sin in this person's life. There, there, has, there has to be something, there's a cause and effect that takes place here. But the reality is, whatever health, whatever, it is the mercy of God. It is the absolute mercy of God that we are healthy, that we get to play sports. And, and these, it's, it's definitely not a right of ours. It's just purely based on His mercy. Being wealthy, you know, I mean, you know, wealth and, and, and yeah, that, I mean, there's some very happy, wealthy people. You know, Proverbs says, it's the blessing of the Lord that he makes rich. You know, he makes a, a person rich, but he adds no sorrow to it. We know that's a very small minority. <laughs> we know that, right? Just, just, just watch TV. You know, look at what's out there. It, it's, it's just so clear that wealth does not buy you happiness in any way. But yet we pursue it in, in, in such a way. And, and, and so there, there, there's, there's something that's happening there. And so I love, and I was, I, was, I was discipled at the vineyard, and John Wimber used to say this, and combating, you know, the whole idea of the, 
the prosperity gospel that just simply says if you're healthy and wealthy, right, then you are blessed by God. The, the, the other side, if you're not healthy, you're not wealthy, then you're cursed by God. Uh, obviously, we know that's not true, but that's, that's, the, that's the, the gist of the prosperity movement. That's why we say it's an error. It's an error. And so it's that motivation. We give so we can get something. That's not generosity. That's selfishness. It's, it's, it's greed. It's the same thing that's happening. And so I love what Wimber used to say this. He used to teach the church, and he says, we give. You will get, because that's how God operates, but to give. Totally different motivation. That's generosity. We give, right? We give, and, and, and that's what God does. We, you give, and he says, you receive. You give, you get. The motivation is so we can give. And then we get, and then we give. And then we get, and then we give. And, and, and it, just, it just goes on and on and on. And when that happens, right, something beautiful happens in our lives. Because this is the other truth, brothers and sisters. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. You can never outgive God. Turn to your neighbor. Say, hey, good looking. Say, you can never outgive God. Try it. I challenge you. Try. Try to outgive God. Right? You will have such an abundance that you can continue to give. I could, I could tell you so many stories, but I, I gotta I gotta I gotta preach today. Alright, so you can never outgive God. Luke six thirty eight. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure it will be measured to you. In return, give this simple, this simple spiritual lesson. Give, and it'll be given to you. Right? God is the greatest giver. Give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. In other words, like like overflowing is this idea. It'll pour into your lap by your standard of measure. Be measured to you in return, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you. Something happens to us, right, when we give. Something happens to our spirit. Something happens to, to our, our hearts. Something happens to our minds when we move in the spirit of generosity. Next year, I'm going to spend a few weeks uh, talking about this, but let me, uh, this is just kind of a teaser uh, in, that, in that simple way, right? Now, I have to say this. Again, you've heard me say this hundreds of times. Let's make one thing very, very, very clear, okay? God does not need your money. Very clear, right? You heard me say, if God needs your money, right, then he is an impotent God. We are in big trouble. You know what I mean? If God needs my money, oh my gosh, the kingdom of God is in serious trouble. Right? If God needs your money, we, we, are, obviously we are in big trouble, God does not need our money. That's not how this works. But, but, God calls us to give. If it's not for Him, then who's it really for? It's for us. Something happens to us in the giving. There's something supernatural that gets released when we understand these simple spiritual principles uh, that are at work, right? Again, God doesn't need our money, right? If he does, we're in big trouble, but God still asks us to give. Remember in the Beatitudes, there, there are the, the, the three, basically the, the three primary do's when it, when it comes to Christianity, Remember in, 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 in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it says, it says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. The, these, are the, these are the three non-negotiables, right, of Christian experience and Christian practice. And he makes it very clear, all, going all the way back, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And so the, these, these are wrapped up in, in Christian experience and Christian service. 
in this way. And so he doesn't ask us, he doesn't ask us for, for, for his sake, he asks us for our sake. And so let's just explore. I just have two points today. Two points. Number one, what does giving do? Giving overflows in thanksgiving to God. Giving overflows in thanksgiving to God. You say, God, thank you for my job. Thank you that I can, you know, buy food and, and all these things. And, and if, that's, if you're really thankful, giving will be a natural process. It'll be a, a natural overflow of how you live your life and how you handle your finances. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. He says, You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. This is Paul's great teaching on giving. This is when he tells them uh, uh, previously, um, I think it's verse uh, 7, he tells them to give, that God loves when people give with a cheerful heart. And so he's talking about this idea of giving. He says, you, you don't understand that you may be giving towards a person. You may be giving to the poor. You may be giving to some situation. But he says, but when you give, what you're really saying is, thank you, God. He says it's overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. I mean, this, this, is, this is how you can, you know, talking about material things, how you can really, really give thanks for the things that you've received is actually to give to someone else, right? To give to his church, to give to his body. Brothers and sisters, right? Don't be misled. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, your loyalties, and your affections. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It, it, would, it would seem more logical to say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. But no, it makes it very clear. Jesus says, no, no, we know, right? It's because we think all kinds of stuff. This is like, this is the litmus test of your heart is where is your treasure, right? What are those things that you value? Again, how you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, your loyalties, and your affections. It's, it's, just, it's just very, very clear. You know, even when you think about uh, uh, giving to charities, right? And there's there's, there's uh, certain charities that I give to, and, uh, but I give to charities that align with my heart. It, it, it's, just, it's just very, very clear in that way, right? I don't, I don't, I don't give to other charities. They, they, just, they just don't align with my heart or align with my beliefs, you know, or whatever it may be. It, it, it's, 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 I mean, there, there's no fault in that, but that's, that's what happens. We will put our treasures, right, really where our hearts are at in this way. And so we need to be very clear in this. If we truly believe that God is the one who blesses us with our jobs, right, that, that blesses us with our ability to do our jobs well, and then everything in between, the natural course is to be a giver. That's, that's, this is the way that we say, God, thank you. Thank you for my livelihood. Thank you for the ability that you give me right, that, that I, could, I could take care of my family, you know, I could help my dad, you know, you know I mean, whatever this, this whole thing works, it's just overflowing in thanksgiving to God. It's, the, it's the, one of the biggest way of saying, God, I'm so thankful to you. I'm so thankful to you. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. When you give, what you're really doing and what you're really saying is, God, thank you. Thank you for everything that I have. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for taking care of my family. 
I thank you for my livelihood. It overflows in thanksgiving to God. And what that thanksgiving does, it recognizes that God, this is all yours to begin with. It's an issue of stewardship. Again, we can just keep going on and on, but I I just want to give you a teaser uh, before we we next year get into a little more in-depth and do a whole series. Number two, how does it benefit us? It frees us from the spirit of mammon. It frees us from the spirit of mammon. Brothers and sisters, don't be misled. Many of us are ensnared by mammon. It's it's, it's just a reality, and many of us will be challenged in this area almost on a daily basis. So here's the teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So, some of you guys may be very familiar. It's one of the most difficult poems to read. Okay, so I need to confess, I've not read this. Um, but I read um, a commentary on this. All right? So I can, I can be very, very clear with this. Because it's a very, very difficult poem. John Milton wrote a poem called Paradise Lost. Any, any of you guys ever read this? I like full, like the 12 volume. Wow, I'm impressed. Two people. We got two educated people in this room. Right? Oh, seriously, that's impressive. I tried to read it. Oh my gosh. So difficult. Right? So difficult. 12 volumes, one poem. Okay? And, and it's basically Milton's, uh, Milton's um, explanation of the fall of Adam and Eve, and, and, and he goes through all this, he talks about like the sovereignty of God, you know, uh, um, uh, predestination, I mean, he touches on, of course, 12 volumes, right, he touches on many, many themes uh, all throughout during this time, but, but you know, the, the, one of the commentaries I read, um, this idea of paradise lost is really his picture of hell in this way, and uh, he showed Satan, is one of the, one of the parts, one of the volumes, he shows Satan as the fallen commander-in-chief surrounded by demon generals. So there's one, one passage here. And among the demon generals surrounding Satan, right, the commander-in-chief, uh, there was Molech, uh, Dagon, Osiris, Isis, Beelzebub, Belial, basically all these ancient uh, uh, deities that were worshipped uh, throughout history. And so... Uh, and, but then uh, Milton, remember he's speaking to um, a, a now current audience. Uh, he depicts another demon standing by Satan's side. And that demon, he was actually the closest one to Satan. And that demon's name was Mammon. Mammon. Milton was making a commentary. And so, you know, Egypt had this God. Babylonian had this God. All these other cultures had this God. And he's addressing the God of their age. And I could say the God of our age, which is mammon. Or or you could say wealth in this way. And each of these was the God of an idol-worshiping culture in ancient times. But Milton depicts this demon standing by his side named Mammon. He was one of the most productive and skilled demons in hell. He was always, and the picture, he was always, it's it's kind of a Milton, very, very, you know, uh, artistic. He was always pictured as the demon was hunched over. And the reason why he was hunched over, because he's always looking for gold and jewels on the ground. Right? He couldn't look up. He couldn't see because he's just always he's just looking for something. Isn't, I mean, have you ever been around a really greedy person? You know what I mean? Isn't that what they look like? They don't see you. They, they, they just see what, what you can do for them. Even their job, all these things. It's just, and they're just lurching around just trying to find something that benefits them. This, this is the picture that, that Milton lays out. He's always looking, searching the ground for valuables. And then after you read Matthew 6, 24, you understand why Milton put mammon 
in that place. There, there, there's something there, right? Jesus clearly suggests it is possible to serve mammon instead of serving God. Jesus further goes on and states that it is impossible to serve God and mammon at the same time. There's no middle ground. Mammon is an extremely jealous God. The goal of the spirit of mammon tries to tell us that we don't need God. We don't need God. We just need wealth. Right? Isn't that when you're, when you're faced with such a difficult situation, isn't that what we simply say? We say, Lord, either you come and you do a miracle, or two, we win the lottery. Right? It's one or the other. It's like, God, you come and do the miracle, or we win the... What are, you, what are we saying? We're appealing to this spirit of mammon. Right? It, I mean... It's, if, I mean, if you, if, you, if you really think about this in this way, mammon wants you to believe that money is the answer to your problems. But it's not. God is. Money is not the answer to your problems. Right? It's not. God is the answer to your problems. Remember when people came and, and, and talked to Jesus and they came up to Jesus and they say, oh, my servant is, is sick, you know, and, 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 you know, and this guy's blind and this guy's paralyzed. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know what you really need? More money. Did Jesus ever say anything like that? You know, what you really lack is more money. You need more money. That's going to solve, but that's exactly what mammon wants to yell at us. What you really need is more money. What you really need is more wealth, so on and so forth in that way. Right? The spirit of mammon tries to tell us that we don't need God. Don't trust in God. Trust in riches. Right? Riches. Here's, here's a quote. Pastor Jimmy Evans, he says this. Mammon promises things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. See, mammon is nothing more than the system of this fallen world that stands in sharp opposition to God and his ways. Like I said before, money is not the answer to man's problems. God is. Jesus never told anyone the answer was more money. And the, and the reason why the way we care for our riches, our money, our finances are so important is because there's a spirit that has come after us. The thing about mammon or thing about riches, unlike many other devices, unlike sex, you know, unlike prominence or fame, uh, uh, these things, this one device is probably one of the only things that tries to mirror God more than any other vice that's out there. Let me, I'll explain it this way. There's three main attributes of God. Remember, God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and God is everywhere. And so, unlike any other sin or any other vice there, actually nothing can have the illusion, and I say illusion because it's not the real thing, the illusion of replicating that except mammon you know when someone has incredible wealth and, and incredible riches what do you think you think you're all powerful you can you can get away with anything um you can even murder people and get a high-priced lawyer a whole team and you could be acquitted of murder right remember if the glove don't fit acquit you know i'm you know oj simpson right I mean, just a, a massive amount of wealth, and you can get away with anything. You're all-powerful everywhere, you know. Man, you, if you have wealth, you can go anywhere at any time. First class, private jet, you know, I mean, whatever it may be. It's, it's amazing. It mirrors God, right? And then all-knowing, 
you can buy any information that's out there. Right? I mean, come on. You could have, your, 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 your son could be dumb as a doorknob. You know what I mean? I mean, this guy could be a, an idiot, and you pay enough money, you can get that kid into Harvard University. Right? You just pay a broker, right? You can, you can do all kinds. I mean, it's, it's true, isn't it? Right? Just, get a, a, just pay for a building named after yourself or your foundation or whatever it may be. And money can buy you any kind of information that's out there. It's, 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 it, 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 it goes straight at right, the very attributes of God. But it's fake. It's pseudo. It's false. It's an illusion. But mammon wants you to think of this whole thing as real. It's, mammon is nothing more than the system of this fallen world that stands in sharp opposition to God and to his ways. You know, and we think money can buy happiness. But we know it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The antidote to the spirit of mammon is generosity. Spirit of mammon, oh, you want to hold white knuckle? I want to hold everything mine, mine. It's all mine. You know, it's almost like Lord of the Rings. Precious, right? My precious. That, that was, that was uh, uh, his commentary, by the way, in that whole movie. And yet, right, there's something. What happens? We let go. There's something about the spirit of generosity that foils and kills the spirit of mammon that is over us all the time. All the time. Luke 16, 10 to 12. Listen to God's heart, right? Listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus, God, wants to bless you. God wants to fill you in so many ways. This is what he says. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon... Who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You got to see the heart behind what, what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, friends, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you materially in this way. He, he, he wants us to, to be faithful to him. And so, and so his, his question is, how can, how can I pour out upon you so much if you won't be faithful in this simple little thing that he asks us to do? It, it, and it, the heart, God says, man, I just want to pour out to you, but you're so unfaithful in this little thing, right? And he's trying to teach us, why don't you be faithful in that so you can be entrusted with much. This is what I pray for. I pray for, uh, I pray for our church all the time in this way. Right? I, 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 pray, I pray that God would, would bless our members materially. Right? Not, 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 not just because, not because it's a sign of God's blessing. Right? We don't want to get into that whole uh, uh, seemingly could be theological error in that way. Right? Because it, it does something to us. Because when that happens, we recognize there's some faithfulness that's happening in our lives, right? We just simply ask God, help us to be faithful in the little things. It's really, really simple, right? Real simple, right? And it says this, if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Remember, it all belongs to God. Right? We are purely and merely stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Right? This is the idea of giving. You know, and in this and you know, kind of in this pericope that, that that we're sharing today, I pray that you be able to experience the joy of giving that overflows in thanksgiving to God, but that also, right? 
tackles and breaks the spirit of mammon in our lives. Like I said, we're going we're gonna to deal with this more in depth later on, so I didn't really feel the need to, to go so far here. But let me just finish with this verse. 2 Corinthians 9.7 Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. As um, a follower of Christ, as a member of Solomon's Porch, let me just finish off. This is, this is what, you guys remember Juanita, you know, our church intercessor, uh, my spiritual mother, and she would say this, and, and, and it always really registered with me. And she would say, tithing, right? You know, the, the first 10%, tithing just gets you right with God. It's, 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 it's the bare minimum, right? The first 10%, that just, that just, now you're in right relationship with God. Malachi says that if you don't do that, he says you're robbing from him. Read the text. And so this is just, just gets you face to face. with Now you're, you're no longer in sin in this way. That's what tithing does. Offering is the giving that's above and beyond the tithe. And Juanita would teach me and say that this is where overflow comes. Right? Merit tithing just gets you face to face with God. Right? Now you're like, you're right with God in this way. It's the giving that happens, the overflow of that really is, that's where the blessing, that's the, you know, pressed down, spilling over, that's where all that takes place. And so we look at it. So let me give you another framework to understand this. The whole issue of mammon is about control. It, it, that's, that's, that's the underlying foundation of mammon is control i have control god says give up control that's what the tithe does you know the tithe just that one you just give to your church you give to whatever church right that that you are a part of that's just simply you have no control over that you can't say, okay, uh, here's the tithe. I want 1%. I want 1% to go to care for children. I want 2% you know, to go to this ministry. I want 3%. No, you can't do that. That, 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 that. You've basically totally given up control because you're saying this belongs to God. And so the offering and charity, that's where you can assert some control. right? Tithing face-to-face with God. After that, you go and say, okay, I, w- I want to give to Care for Children. You know, I want to give to FCA. You know, I want to give to, you know, this seminary or, 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 you know, or, or my friend ministering in Africa or whatever the case may be. And, 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 and when that, that's, that's the overflow that takes place. Uh, okay, again, we're going to get into it a little bit more. But issue, right, because the spirit of mammon primarily operates out of that place of control. We need to give up that control. Close again. Let me write the worship team come up. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember the theme of Philippians, joy. He wants the church to recognize the joy that we have when we're able to be givers in this way. So let's close our eyes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Who is in control over your finances? If you say God, but you're not tithing nor giving, I think you're lying. That's not a true statement. Something is amiss. Who is in control? Is it really God? Or is it you? You know, the sad part of this is that there's so much overflow and blessing that God wants to bring into your life, but it stopped. Because mammon is taken over instead of the spirit of generosity. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. 
Some of you maybe are not right with God, just simply over a simple issue of tithing. We'll, we'll talk about that next year some more. Get right with God. Learn to be a cheerful giver. Learn to offer up thanksgiving. This is the month of Thanksgiving. You, many of us are having Thanksgiving dinner soon. I can't wait, you know. How do you overflow in thanksgivings to God? Not just by eating a turkey, man. By giving. Says the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but overflowing in thanksgivings to God. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit break that spirit of mammon over you and your family. He wants to set you free. And as the worship team leads us in a song, just talk to the Lord. Dead of love. Of the dead of love. 
to thinking about my whole family. Lord, I have four kids. And the resounding message that I share with my kids, whenever they've been giving anything good, we as parents, we ask them to share. Lord, all you're asking, your people, when you give them what is good, and you simply say, share. Share. Lord, would you teach us to be a community that shares? Thank you that you give to us so that we are able to share. And that we know that when we do share, you'll give us even more so that we can share more. That you'll give us more, we can share more. God, it's a spiritual cycle, a blessed cycle that takes place. Lord, I know. people in our church that are in bondage right now or for whatever reason maybe you've not convinced them or they've not opened up the scriptures but they have a hard time sharing would you speak to them this week would you set them free from the spirit of mammon would you release in their heart the spirit of generosity God Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes His face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, from this day forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, we just want to welcome uh, Mindy and Brian that are here from SPSG, the Staffenburg. Welcome to Hong Kong. They're here on holiday. Hey, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, After second service, we have all sons meeting, so you need to come back to pray. If you need any prayer, come, and you can uh, receive prayer from our well ministry. God bless you.